Yeah, Lord, we just thank you that we um, can come and listen to your word. We can come and listen to your voice. Just thank you for Paul, who's bringing your word this morning. Just thank you that uh, he has spent hours and hours talking with you, researching, reading. Just pray that he'll bring your message to us now and that we'll hear it just like you'd like us to hear it. Amen. 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 Okay. Um, as John Richards mentioned, um, there was a, a celebration of the life of Gerald Coates in London yesterday. Uh, for those of you that don't know who Gerald Coates is, he was the, the founder of the, the network of churches called Pioneer, of which we are a part. Um, but also, Gerald Coates was actually very foundational in forming uh, River Church Marlow. Uh, he, was, he was a main encourager uh, for us to be here. Uh, and Gerald Coates also had uh, a huge international, or national and international, reach and influence to his ministry over many years. Um, and particularly at the time, dealing with the, the, the stuffiness of religion of the church in the UK uh, and really being part with many others of uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe through us again uh, and to experience all the wonderful stuff that we've experienced uh, as, a, as a Holy Spirit-filled charismatic church and of which there are many and of course that influence has also uh, gone to other churches uh, and you know, so things like Alpha and Nicky Gumbel, Nicky would say that uh, the charismatic revival in the UK was really uh, an important feature of where they got to on their journey. And we were, um, we had to drop the dog off at my mum's on the way yesterday. And I, so I was trying to explain to my mum what we were doing. So I said, oh, you know, we're going to a, you know, to a celebration of life for someone in the church. And she said to me, oh, she said, so is that, is that, someone, is that someone famous then? She said, because if you have a celebration of life, it's always someone famous, isn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, they're, a, they're a very well-known Christian mum who are going to celebrate their life. And, of course, it, it, it struck me when I was sitting there that, um, you know, it can be quite daunting. Uh, here's someone who did extraordinary things for God. Uh, many of you will know. Gerald Coates had this amazing prophetic ministry. At times, he could almost like see right through you. And uh, it was a wonderful gift, but it can be a bit disconcerting, can't it? You know, people sharing all these wonderful things that someone's done, and you sort of sit there thinking, gosh, you know, I, I just haven't had a life like that. And God, you just haven't given me anything in the way that you've given Gerald Coates stuff to be able to do what he's done. But a couple of things I picked up from that, I just wanted to share, because it fits in with what I want to say this morning, was that for all Gerald's international reach, he never ever stopped serving his local, his small local community like this. He was passionately called, he believed, to serve his local community, and he never ever stopped doing it. Right until the day that he died, he was part of a small local church like this. And this was someone who had held platforms all over the world. But he really valued just the orderliness of living day in, day out in a local community and serving them. 
and trying to bring the presence of God. And I thought that was wonderful. The other thing um, is that out of all the contributions uh, that were shared, uh, there was a common theme, I thought, and it was from family, um, for those that um, weren't necessarily coming at it from a, a Christian point of view, just, just family, friends, the odd celebrity, but also Christian leaders that were there and people that knew him well. They all said this was someone who was generous. He was generous with his time. He was generous with the gifts that God had given him and sharing them, using them. And he used them to encourage people. That's what everyone said. He was a great encourager. And he was also generous with his resources. He was generous with the money that God had given him. And he used it to bless other people. And that came across again and again. He used what God had given him to bless others. Um, And I just think it's important when we think about depth, uh, which is our, our title this morning. So uh, the chapter from Be Still that we're looking at is about going deeper. And this is what Brian Heasley, who wrote the book, um, said about depth. God is always calling us into more. God is never finished with us. God always desires to draw us into greater depth. Going deeper means you will become more immersed in God following Jesus and becoming like him. And I think none of us would disagree with that, would we? With what Brian's said then. You know, what's not to like? In fact, I believe that because we're made in God's image, then that's our greatest desire, to go deeper with God. We have this perpetual open invitation from God to go deeper. Sounds great. I wonder if you're like me, why is it that we actually find it so hard? Why do we find it so hard to accept that invitation to go deeper? Or is it maybe it is just me that struggles with it? Is it just me? (laughs) No. Like I'm so grateful for the invitation and I understand all the benefits, but in reality, I find it flipping difficult. Now, there's a band called uh, Delirious. Some of you might remember a band called Delirious, who 25 years ago wrote a song called Deeper. And this is, uh, these are some of the words from it. I want to go deeper. I'm not going to sing, by the way. I want to go deeper, but I don't know how to swim. I want to go deeper, but is it just a stupid whim? I want to run faster, but this old leg won't carry me. We want to go deeper with God, but there always seems to be a reason that holds us back. It may not just be quite the right time or something's not in place at the minute or it's just that the ordinary stuff of everyday life just seems to take up too much time. We want more of God, but we don't seem to have the time or the resources, so we think. So we pass up on the offer. Yeah? Sound a bit familiar? And so naturally, I think, we've, we've sort of trained ourselves to think that, um, okay, what we need to do is we need to clear all this stuff away. Like it's like we've got to make room in our lives to go deeper, to spend more time with God. But in practice, it feels a little bit like, and if you ever watched a baby on a beach 
trying to fill a bucket of sand with their hands. You know, they sort of run off with these big clumps of sand, come back to the bucket, but by the time they got to the bucket, all the sand slipped through their hands, and there's something, and looking, there's the empty bucket, because, like, you know, it just slips through our fingers, doesn't it? It's a frustrating cycle, because there's never quite enough time. You know, there's always, there's always stuff to deal with, and the stuff keeps moving. And actually, there's new stuff that comes along. And so we never quite get there. And so I was thinking, maybe we need to rethink our whole approach to going deeper. Maybe we need to reframe this whole idea that somehow we need to get rid of stuff so we can let more of God in. And instead of thinking that all the things in our lives actually get in the way... Maybe they're not the problem. Maybe they're actually God's open invitation to actually help us go deeper. Maybe that stuff's all there intentionally. I mean, after all, God created it all. I mean, there isn't stuff that God didn't create. Yeah, God's creator and sustainer of everything. So maybe God wants to speak to us through all that to shape and refine us to encourage us, to actually help us to go deeper. And back to the Delirious song, the chorus goes this, like this. And the wonder of it all is that I'm living just to fall more in love with you. Maybe we need to see that it's through the orderliness of the stuff of our everyday lives that God will take us deeper And maybe we need to realise that we already have everything we need to go deeper with God if we'll just accept the invitation. So to help us reflect on on going deeper and what I've just said, I'm going to show three parables. I'm going to have a little look at three parables and I've got three proverbs. So thank you there, Tommy, for teeing that up. Um, And these parables were really, really short, okay? So like they are literally one minute, so you have to have to really pay attention. Okay, they are they are blinking, you'll miss it. So tune in, Tim. Let's play the first one. So I want to tell you a story, true story about this guy called Seamus who's shipwrecked on a desert island and he's left utterly alone for fifteen years. So anyway, when he's finally discovered, one of the rescuers notices that there's a clearing on the island with three buildings. Oh, he says, uh, Seamus, uh, what's that building there? Points to the first one. Seamus says, oh, he says, that's my house. Whenever I realised no one was going to pick me up, I had to build some shelter. He said, oh, very good. He says, what's the building beside it? Oh, says Seamus. He says, I'm a very religious man, very religious man. He says, that's my church. I go there every Sunday to pray. Guy goes, oh, that's beautiful. He says, "Uh, what's the building beside it? Oh, says Seamus, he says, I don't want to talk about it, let's go. He says, no, come on, what's the, what's the building beside it? He says, no, 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 let's get out of here. He says, come on. And Seamus says, ah, he says, all right, he says. He says, that's the church I used to go to. Terrible place. What do you think that parable's saying? Any idea? I mean, obviously, by the nature of it's a parable, it can have mean more than one thing. As we know from the parables that Jesus told, they have layers of depths. But what, what, any thoughts? What's that speaking to you about? Hmm? Not the place, the person. Yeah. 
Anybody else? Any thoughts? Welcome, very quiet. Look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, everyone's been. Yeah, and then Nigel's. Anyway, keep keep reflecting. In essence, this parable speaks to our t- our tendency to want to identify things other than ourselves to ju- try and justify our thoughts and our actions. Yeah, I mean, in other words. We tend to find it easier to deflect, don't we, um, rather than to own. Now, particularly when we're finding things tricky. Uh, sadly, we, you know, we see this a lot, don't we, with our political leaders, that their first reflex instinct is to, how can I deflect, how can I justify, how can I find someone else or something else to take the blame? And of course, if you, read, if you read in our Bibles, Genesis 3, this is what we see. You know, God is given an open invitation to Adam and Eve to own up and take responsibility. But it was that naive woman, God, you know, the one you created, and not me, Gov. It was that crafty snake, God. I got tricked. It wasn't my fault. And, of course, you can picture all of them, can't you, then turn into the, turn into the snake, who, who up to this point had been very chatty, suddenly goes silent. Gotcha. But it's the same choice that we have. You know, so with the things that we don't like or we don't agree with that are not going the way we want to, we often find it easier, don't we, to identify something else or someone else. You know, it could be like society in general or economics or politics or family, something with our family and friends, neighbours, or even church and other Christians as the root of the issue. Anything sometimes but us. But maybe it's not them after all. Just maybe God is speaking to us and using these things to take us deeper with him. Proverbs 1 24 says this, I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. The invitation to go deeper with God is a perpetual open invitation. God is always reaching out through the everyday ordinary of our lives. God's always reaching out through what he's already given us. But are we paying attention? Or are we looking for someone else or something else the whole time before we can? So it's the right moment. I just need to, this, yep. There's always something else. Depth comes when we accept the invitation to own and take responsibility for the stuff of our lives and understand God works through what we have already been given. That's why I made, shared the example of Gerald Coates. He really understood that. He knew what God had given him. And in the ordinary every day, he just, he just used it. He used it. He used it. He took ownership and allowed God to speak to him. Take a pause just for a minute.
just to reflect on what God has given you. And, you know, what's the stuff of your life at the minute? Good and bad, joys and challenges. Just reflect on those things for a minute. Watch your stuff. And how might God be speaking and working through those things already? Just reflect on maybe what God's already doing, what God's already saying. Just pay attention to the Holy Spirit for a couple of minutes. Okay. You're up for the next parable. It's only a minute again. Tim. One evening, a young woman who was weighed down with worries had a dream. And in this dream, she was walking down by the water when she saw this old man. When she woke up, she had the distinct feeling that if she were ever to meet this man, he would give her a treasure beyond her wildest imagination. Well, sure enough, the next week she was walking down by the water and she saw him. She ran up to him and she told him about the dream. Ah, said the old man, maybe it's about this. And he picked up a diamond that was huge. I found this a few weeks ago. Here, take it. So the young woman, delighted, takes the diamond. But that night she can't sleep. The very next day she tosses the diamond to the side, goes back down to the water and finds the old man. Tell me, she says, of the treasure you have that allows you to give up such worldly goods without a moment's thought. What's that one about? Any thoughts? Got stunned silence now. Yep. Treasure in heaven. Anything else? Throw throw out a few thoughts. Sorry? Contentment. Contentment, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, I like that. It's about the giver, not the gift. Yeah. It's challenging, though, isn't it? Our understanding of where our riches really are. So the girl, the girl had the thing she thought would take all of her worries away, so now life would just be fine. And we, we know that feeling, don't we? You know, if only, the if only feeling. If only I had that one more thing. If only I could get that one thing sorted out. If I could finally get this thing in place, then I will be able to. I will be able to do more for you, God. I will be able to go deeper. And just as the girl was enjoying that moment, she got to that moment that I've got it. Something deep inside her was nagging away. That the man freely gave up what the girl considered to be the most valuable thing ever. And it made her reevaluate the very value of what she thought she had. So it made her question the very criteria of wealth and riches. And this is what Proverbs says in, in 13.7. Some pretend to be rich 
yet have nothing. Others pretend to be poor, yet have great wealth. So maybe going deeper with God is not so much about like acquiring more stuff or different stuff or clearing out old stuff, but actually being able to put into perspective what we already have, the stuff we already have. In other words, going deeper requires us to understand and appreciate the true value of what God has already given us. In 2 Timothy 1.14, we're urged to look after, to protect, to guard, to care for the good treasure entrusted to us. And we do this when we reevaluate it. When we ask God again, where is the real treasure? When we really consider how tightly or loosely we need to hold the things that we have. Maybe some things we need to hold more tightly because that's where the real richness is at the moment for our lives. And maybe other things we need to loosen off because that's not where we're finding our wealth and our joy. So depth comes when we accept the invitation to reevaluate the stuff that we already have and identify where our true wealth and riches lie. It's an invitation to reevaluate what God has given us. So again, let's just pause for a minute and reflect. Let's reflect on what we have and what God has given us. And ask yourselves the question, where is your richness at the minute? Where is your richness? Okay, are you enjoying the parables? Okay, if not, we've got the Proverbs. But anyway, either way, this is the last one. So, okay, here we go. Again, it's one, one minute, very short, third parable, Tim. There once was a wealthy king who fell in love with one of the servants. Immediately, he moved her into the palace and he lavished her with expensive gifts. But she became gravely ill. Nobody could help, and so the king sent out an edict that whoever could cure her would become rich. Well, this wise old sage went to visit the young woman and then went to visit the king. You can keep your money, he said, but I can't offer a cure. The king was delighted. But you've got to understand, said the sage, that the cure is incredibly painful. It doesn't matter, said the king, she's strong, you can do whatever you need to do. And the sage said, no, no, I don't mean painful for her. I mean painful for you. She's in love with someone else. When you brought her to the palace, you separated them. Let her go and she will heal. What's that saying to us? Go on, who's going to be brave? Throw out a few thoughts. Yeah. 
I, ha- I had that sting song running around in my head when I watched that parable. <laughs> the sting song, yeah, the, st- the sting song, if you love somebody, set them free. Oh, it's a long, it's the 80s, sorry. Sorry, sorry, yeah. It was a song by Sting. Yeah, if you love somebody, set them free. Yeah. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Anthony, what is it? Mm. Yeah, no, good, good answers. So the, both the king and his servant girl, they were stuck in pain, weren't they? But only the king had the power to end it. If he could be willing to do what only he could do for the girl. So he had in his hands the power to bring release and healing. The thing is, Sometimes that comes at a cost, doesn't it? The king already had everything. But was he just really looking for the silver bullet, the quick fix that wouldn't inconvenience him too much but would still deliver the thing he loved the most? Or would he be able to use what was in his hands even if it meant losing what he loved the most because it was the most truly loving thing to do? I think that's the thing about going deeper. It's when we start to see that everything that we've been given by God, you know, our experiences, our relationships, even our plans and priorities and even our issues, they're all vehicles for us to be able to demonstrate God's love for others. But sometimes it comes at a cost. We have to take a risk to use what God has given us. Again, going back to Gerald Coates' amazing life. Here's someone who took risks because he'd heard God. And he was willing, sometimes to make a fool of himself, to use what God had given him. And here's a final proverb. 8.19, my fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield is better than choice silver. When we use what God has given us to reach out to others in the everyday, the ordinary produces the most extraordinary fruit. As we see from the parable, it literally releases life. But in that very process of using what God has given us, there's an even greater yield because God also works through us in our giving out to take us deeper into an experience of his love. So depth comes when we see the ordinary stuff God has given us as an open invitation to demonstrate God's love and provision to others. Take a a final pause for a minute. And let's just reflect on, on what we have that can help bring healing and release to others.
What has God given you at the minute that you can use to help set someone free, to bring them release? I just want to finish by um, just briefly mentioning the metaphor of the ordinary clay jar that we read in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. It's a very well-known verse. But it's a very powerful metaphor because it's out of the everyday ordinariness of the clay jar. You know, it's the common earth that God has fashioned each one of us. God has fashioned us out of through the ordinary. But that's also where God has put the treasure, by his extraordinary presence. We might be fashioned out of the ordinary but God will always do the extraordinary through us. You know, it's in who we are, who God has made us to be. And it's in the ordinariness of our everyday lives that God wants to take us deeper. I think that's what we need to see that we have everything that we need already to go deeper with God. And as Delirious sang, the wonder of it all is that we're living just to fall more in love with God. Will we accept the open invitation? Thank you.